My name's Dino. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. There's some drugs that are in my story, so I hope uh, it's all right with you guys. Um, I was uh, born and raised in uh, the Midwest, Michigan, and I uh, had uh, four brothers, no, five brothers and a sister, but my uh, fifth brother came a little later on in life. So I grew up with four brothers, about all about a year and a half apart. I had loving parents. My dad drank every night. I mean, after work, he always had his beer every night. We, he, we you know, I went to parties. And um, when I was in uh, junior high school and drank, and it really wasn't a problem until up to uh, my high school year where I really uh, started excelling and dr not uh, drinking as much as the drugs, uh, marijuana and speed, mostly. I did a lot of meth, and I did meth all through high school from the 10th grade on all the way up to nine, 1997. Um, nine, yeah, around 97, and where I quit, I, I gave up the speed, and then I just started drinking like uh, it was my, uh, like it was speed, <laughs> like I was doing the speed. So, I mean, I I, uh, I I quit one drug, but I needed something else to get out of my uh, head, and it was, so I I started drinking uh, a lot of beer. I drank, um, I drank uh, every night. I mean, that's all I did is drink. And I met my wife and she was a drinker. So we drank together and it, it, we drank and fought and it was just, it became a problem. My life became unmanageable and I, I uh, we ended up quitting. She went into rehab. I quit cold turkey and we uh we did it for six and a half years and it was great years that sobriety was really uh it was uh i really loved it and then um uh one thing happened i don't know we smoked a joint one day i was bored and that just kind of pulled us back into it and then um so 2003 we uh quit let me uh slow down a little 2003 we quit all the drugs all the alcohol and everything we were we were sober for six and a half years then i um we smoked one joint on a sunday afternoon because we were bored and that was it we uh we got a six pack and then 10 years later um it took us 10 years to get back in to sobriety and the reason why I say that is because the reason we didn't, we relapsed, I believe this is because we didn't work uh, AA, we didn't work the program, we didn't get a sponsor, we didn't, we didn't do the steps, we didn't, um, we didn't, uh, we didn't um, really recover. We used our, uh, well, we used our, uh, we went back to school in those six and a half years of sobriety and we, uh, used our school as our our higher power instead of getting into AA and getting um well a cult getting in getting to meet people with the that are so we should have done that and I mean uh we didn't so that's where we're at that's what what happened but uh now that we put this time 
Um, my sobriety date is uh, 2020, March 3rd. And this time, it, it just seems different. Um, we got a sponsor. We got Each of us got a sponsor. We worked the steps. Well, I'm up to step eight. But I, I'm, I'm trying to get into step nine and get it finished so I can move on and start to sponsor because I really want to do that. But anyway, that's uh, where we're at now. Um, oh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Uh, so now, now we're three years clean and um, things are a lot better. Is what I'm, I really want to get. At. Yeah, I want to. I want to talk about recovery because working the steps and um, going to the meetings and that and doing service is really uh, just. I don't even think about alcohol. I don't think about drugs. I don't want to. I don't want to do them, and I haven't felt that way uh, since I uh, had a problem with the meth in uh, back in high school and that. And I thought I'd never get out of that hole. Uh, I just couldn't quit until I, I uh, did this program. And now, now it's just been, uh, sobriety's been great. Um, our relationship's gotten better. My relationship with my daughter's gotten better. I have a great relationship with my daughter now and my wife. We were fighting every day when we were drinking. I mean, there wasn't a day that we weren't fighting. I, I didn't think our marriage would make it. Um, but, you know, I was thinking today, we've been married for 18 years and nine of those years we've been in sobriety and the other nine we've used. So just something I was thinking about today. Um, but yeah, uh, life's been really good. I mean, I've had my bad days. It hasn't been perfect by no means. I still get down and and I have bad days and get aggravated and that, but for the most part, I'd say 75% of these three years have been just great. Everything's smooth at work. Um, uh, me and my wife, we get along great now. We're like best friends. No more fighting. Um, I, that's what I, I'm going to start making amends to people. And that's, that's where I'm at in my sobriety now. And I'm looking forward to it. I just, I, I, I just got to forgive myself. I think that I was talking in a meeting the other day about it is what's holding me back is I'm trying to forgive myself for what I've done. And it's just, that's what's holding me back. I think in my ninth step and, but I, I'm going to work hard to get through that and uh, move on. But uh, for any newcomer, I'll work in AA and work in the recovery in AA is uh, doing the meetings to find that and service, but you really need to get a sponsor and really try to get through the steps. It doesn't matter how long it takes, but just try to get through them and um, things will work out. Um they worked out for me. We we bought a new car. We got uh my we're uh, saving up for. I'm gonna get a new truck, and um, we're not uh worried about rent no more, and because I spent it on the the drug dealer, <laughs> all the money on drugs. Uh, I mean, I was blowing six hundred dollars a a week on drugs. I mean, every week, 
I don't even know how he did it, but anyway, all that extra cash goes in the bank and it's just been, it, recovery's been great. And uh, I owe it all to uh, AA and all you people in AA. You've got me through some rough times and I'm just here to stay. And I, 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 uh, I plead for every, any newcomer to just keep coming back. All right. Thank you. My name's Lewis Offer. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, back. Everybody said hi to me. Thank you, Dino. That was a great talk. Uh, it's a tough act to follow. I, uh, it's really difficult for me to uh, speak on the Zoom meetings because I feed off the energy of the participants. And uh, when your camera is not on, uh, it's hard for me to get that energy. If there's any way you could turn your camera on, it'll help me out to have a better talk. Thank you so much, Megan. And, and, and I can't read. Pamela and Scotty, we're waiting for you. We're, we're hope. Um, somebody you saw Suki over here was eating my sandwich. Now that the sandwich is gone, so is she. Awesome. Thank you guys for turning your camera on. Now I know you're paying attention and not doing other things. And you're in for a treat tonight. You got like the guy that looks like the devil speaking. And my name really is Lewis Offer. I didn't change it to sound like Lucifer. I was just born that way. Yeah, John, hail me. Um, but I'm actually Jewish cat. Thank you for putting your cam on. Appreciate it. This is great. I uh I had a commitment at another meeting earlier and I had to rush home. And of course there was a ton of traffic. I'm diabetic. I, I hadn't eaten. I normally eat at around eight o'clock. And I knew if I was gonna be on this meeting, I might get shaky from not eating like low blood sugar. So I got a um uh, what did I have? Salami sandwich with provolone. And uh, Suki was enjoying that, too. Um, let's see. Where, where do I start? <laughs> I have so much to say. I'm going to start off with my stats. My sobriety date is June 3rd, 1992. Uh, my sponsor is a guy named Earl Hightower. If you ever get a chance to hear Earl speak, he is an amazing speaker. Um, I'm just a pretty good speaker, but he is a really great speaker. But, you know, everybody brings something to the table. You know, Earl's a great speaker. Well, I'm one of the more recognizable people in Hey Hey. So I got that going for me. Um, and my home group is Sunday morning. It's called Third and Gardener. It's on Melrose and Fairfax, which probably means absolutely nothing to you guys. And I, I see the young lady there. So I'm going to keep it totally PG. There'll be no swearing from me. I promise, even though she probably has heard those words before because she's been to a lot of AA meetings with mom, probably. My my dog has been to hundreds of AA meetings, probably more than a lot of people have been to. Um, I love my life. Uh, Dean, I've heard your story before, not by you, but by other people. It's very common that people come in, they you know, start feeling good and stay sober, but don't do the work. And the work here is the 12 steps. And you talked about them very eloquently. And it's that's what we do. AA is a 12-step program. 
If you haven't done the 12 steps, we can tell. If you want to be rocking into the fourth dimension, live in the sunlight of the spirit, I recommend you do the 12 steps. You constantly, well, I'm I'm sober 31 years and I've been to a lot of meetings. I've been very consistent. Thank you for applauding that. It's like applauding somebody for running out of a burning building. It was pretty much, you know, do this or die. I had that gift of desperation. And uh, oh, I was saying something. I lost my train of thought, but it, it probably wasn't that good anyways. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Suki's back. Um, yeah, well, I, I had a train of thought that I lost. Uh, it's all good. Uh, uh, the train will come back, I hope. Oh, I've seen it over and over again, the people that constantly, chronically relapse, the common thread with them is they haven't done the 12 steps over and over. And the common thread with the people that have time that relapse is usually I stop going to meetings. And uh, going to meetings is very important for me. Uh that's John's story. Um, and I love the audience participation. Thank you for doing this because I uh, I got sober at these late night meetings and we were very interactive. It was like Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was I just called got called on to share at this meeting earlier and talked about this. Is uh, I remember the first night that I went to that late night meeting. Is in West Hollywood, Santa Monica and Robertson, above Greenwich Village Pizza. Again, means nothing to you guys. I think you guys might be in Oakland. That's not not in L.A., but I've been to a uh, a convention out there before and got some good barbecue. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so I'm at this late night meeting and people are like yelling things out, like they're cross talking with the speaker. And, and I mean, I've been to some meetings, but I've never been to any meetings like that. And I was furious. I was like, how dare they do this? Don't they know this is life or death for me? And they goof around like this? This is awful. And by the end of the meeting, I realized why I was so angry was because everybody was having fun and I wasn't. And and I learned not to take myself so serious. Look at me. I mean, I don't know if you can see, but I have two red horns on top of my head. And that's just, I'm working with what I got. It was, you know, I started losing my hair in high school. So I did the horns for Halloween and probably 29, 30 years ago. And it stuck. And uh, here I am, 60 years old. And I've got red eyebrows and this long red beard. And... I'm not a devil worshiper, but if you are, you're welcome here. We don't tell you what to believe in. I'm actually Jewish. I'm not like full blown, but, uh, you know, my my parents are Jewish and I never got a, a bar mitzvah. I missed out on that cash, but uh, I, I wanted to watch cartoons and I don't want to learn that Baruch Atah stuff. So I'm just Jewish. I'm not full blown. And, you know. I came in. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. This is just how I talk. I just talk. I don't have a canned pitch. You're probably not going to hear what it was like, what it was like, and what it was like some more from me. I might talk about recovery. I might just, I'm just going to ramble. And that's what I do. And hopefully you'll see somebody here that's 
honest, somebody here that is not trying to sell you anything, that somebody that it looks cool that I have like the TV on and it's making some cool colors on the walls behind me. I like it. I was going to turn it off, but it, it looks kind of cool. It's like set in a weird mood. And, you know, I had my my Zoom set up very differently because I don't want you to see all the stuff back here, but I don't care. It kind of looks creepy, so I like it. Um, I was saying something. It's always good to have a beverage when you're speaking, when you forget what you're saying. Go to the drink. Um, Yep. Don't, once again, don't remember what I was saying, but I got plenty to say. My friend Jay says it's always good to start off with a joke. And I know quite a few. I'm like dad joke guy. That's, you know, who I am. You know, I'm not like I have dyslexia. You're not going to hear a lot of quoting from me. I'm just like dad joke guy. All right. So this guy walks into a bar and he's carrying this big piece of asphalt and he sets it down on the bar and he tells the bartender, can I get a beer and one for the road? Yeah, a couple of people liked it. Sorry, I'll be here all week. <laughs> I um, you know, I something about me is I tend to kind of not underestimate my value. I kind of use what it's hard to explain it. Self-deprecation as false humility, and I kind of like I put myself down. Oh, I'm not that good, and and I get it. I'm I'm really ain't that great but I'm pretty goddamn good and I'm comfortable with just being pretty good. You know, because of Alcoholics Anonymous, you guys have turned me into a pretty good guy. I try to do the right thing. Like Spike Lee is my spiritual advisor and I just try to do the right thing. And I'm doing something right because everywhere I go, people are so nice to me. And I have a great dog that's so nice who's helped out so many people and you know, Sookie's a low bottom. She she earned her seat around here. She had her kids taken away. She was living in the park, probably eating out of the trash can or trying to catch squirrels and eat them. And, um, you know, with skin and bones. And they, finally, they put her in prison. And she was on death row. She had two days, two days before they were going to put her down. And I went out to that shelter. Somebody posted a picture on Facebook and saw her and I was looking for that blue nose pit bull. There was one in Orange County or no, no, Long Beach that had kennel cough. And I went out there and I saw her and I was like, oh, I'm not feeling you. You're all like all ribs and skin and bones and had uh, had had puppies. So she had some big. How do I say this nicely? Teats, we'll say she had big bazoomers. And uh, I was not feeling her, but I brought her into that meeting area and she rolled on her back and started wiggling and did this army crawl. And I'd looked at a few dogs and their temperament wasn't what I was looking for. And, you know, we've been together now for 12 years and she's probably about 14 now. And um, she's getting old. She poops in the house sometimes. Oops and peas and a lot of other places. And she always would let me know she can't help it. It just comes out. She stands up and it just comes out and she can't hear. And um, 
it's sad watching her go. Also, I mean, not as sad, but my parents happened to like my dad's like 93. My mom's 88 and got dementia. I've got like a little death poll. Who's going to go first? But uh, I like to joke around, say, oh, she was only forty two dollars. I'll just get another dog. But like I said, she's been to a lot of meetings, helped out a lot of newcomers, you know, when they come to the meeting and it's like socially awkward. Everybody knows each other, like starting a new school and everybody knows each other. So they can go to Sookie and pet Sookie and feel okay. She's a service dog. I like to I tell people she's got magic healing powers. You pet her, you feel better. And uh, yeah. All right. Sorry, Suck. Enough about you. I'm blowing your joint up. Let's talk about me. All right. So it's been easy for me to stay sober for 31 years because I work really hard at this thing. And that is total BS. I don't work hard at anything. I've been retired for 11 years. They, I mean, they don't call me that, but you might as well call me Lazy Louie. Um, I love the pandemic. I love staying home and watching TV and playing on the computer and eating all day right in my wheelhouse, you know, except I live in sunny Southern California and it's a beautiful day out. I have a hard time staying home. And. Um, but what I have been is I've been very consistent. I've always gone to meetings. Always had a sponsor in the steps, into service, and into God. And that's really the key to my success is that I've done these things and that I had the gift of desperation to, like, it was life or death for me. I knew, like, I was, all right, I'm going to talk about, I got a lot of time, 40 minutes. I'm going to talk about getting loaded for the whole rest of the meeting. Because every time I hear a speaker say, I'm not going to talk about my drug and alcohol log or what it was like, inevitably, that's all they do. And then the last like minute, they're like, oh, to the newcomer, keep coming back. Um, so I'm just going to talk about uh, what it was like the rest of the time. Um, it was kind of like Groundhog's Day for me. It was just the same thing over and over. I, I drank and I smoked pot all day. And uh, in the nighttime, I, I we had these great things called quaaludes back then. I could, yeah, yeah. There's some some nodders had some quaaludes. If, if you're too young to have gotten there or just missed them, you can watch like Wolf of Wall Street and uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and you can see what happens to people when they take quaaludes and drive cars. And I definitely did that, <laughs> and, and hit hit and kept going. <laughs> Uh, and then all night I would, uh, smoke and snort cocaine. And this was just on a nightly basis. And, uh, I, I started getting paranoid. I spray painted a big A-frame triangle windows that I spray painted black, except for people and the wind blew. And I thought it was the SWAT team was outside in their helicopters and ropes coming down there in their ninja outfits. And they got their MP5s and they're coming for whatever bit of powder that I had in a paper bindle that was so wet from the sweat. I couldn't smoke it or snort it. And, and towards the end, I wasn't even cooking it up. I was just putting the Coke into cigarettes, take out half the tobacco, half the filter and load it with the powder. We called those Cocoa Puffs. I was definitely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And uh, 
When the Coke ran out, I used to pick my nose and eat my Coke boogers. Usually I see somebody laughing. That's relating. Maybe Dino might have might be one of my booger buddies. Yeah, Dean, you had a booger? Nice. There's your cute little pup. Um, and I even like I've never had anybody like relate to this one, but you know, I was doing those cocoa puffs and I took the booger and I put it on a cigarette and smoked the booger. Yeah, it's just disgusting. Oh, that poor kid is is traumatized. <laughs> Like, oh, my God, cover her ears. I'm sure she's heard worse. It's not even a word, but I still say it. Um, All right. Well, everybody has their own bottom. So I, I was doing so much of this that I, I, I was I was having heart attacks. I was having bad chest pains. My left arm was going numb and I was twitching a lot uncontrollably. And and not to mention how paranoid I was. And uh, I had a friend that um, got sober, Danny Cohen. He got sober in Cocaine's Anonymous, and he told me about it. He said, Louie, you got a drug problem? You need to get sober. I said, Danny, I don't have a drug problem. You give me drugs, I do them, no problem. And uh, he had planted the seed, and I knew where to go. And I came in on a New Year's resolution. I came into that meeting. I got there early. I met a couple of people there. I saw the speaker speaking, and he was wearing sunglasses at nighttime, so I knew he was loaded. And um, at the end of the meeting, the dude sitting next to me grabbed my hand, and they said a prayer that I didn't know, but I'm pretty sure I'd heard it in a Prince song, but I didn't know the lyrics. And... uh I'm like, oh, great. This is some creepy, culty God stuff. I'm not drinking the lemonade. And uh, I later found out, fortunately, somebody told me that I didn't need to believe in God. I just needed to believe in a power greater than myself that I could make up. And then they told me I didn't even need to believe. I just needed to be willing to believe. I'm like, okay, that I can do. And I saw something. My friend Kathleen spoke tonight and she talked about coming in and seeing the sparkly eyed freaks. And that's kind of something that happens when we get sober. The the eyes sparkle. It's not like dead eyes. Like I was like a, a zombie when I was getting loaded. And um, so I said, I can do that. And I struggled with the whole God thing. You know, I thought it was like, mother nature then i thought it was the sun and then somebody said you know you, the ocean was theirs and because you can't can't stop a wave that's a power greater than yourself and 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 i like the ocean i like i'm i'm, I'm a bodyboarder i'm a sponger i'm not like a man stand-up surfer guy but i like to go to zuma beach and get in that shore break and get in the barrel and you know, when that happens, it's like a time machine, you know, when when you're in the tube, time stands still. And um, so that then the rhythm of the ocean. So that worked for me for a little while. I even had Santa Claus for my higher power because he knows when you're good and he knows when you're bad. And when you're good, he gives you presents. And that was a, a, a higher power that I could get down with. And I, I was in a meeting in Westwood called Two Plus Two. Not that you guys know what Westwood is, but uh, 
in the church and stained glass window, it said, God is love. And that's what's worked for me for all these years. And, and love is an action, just like this program is a program of action. It's not what I say in Alcoholics Anonymous. It's what I do. And I feel like I'm a pretty good example of Alcoholics Anonymous. I try to get to meetings early. I try to stay late. I try to say hi to people that I don't know. Try to help to make people feel welcome because it's scary coming here, you know, and uh, I get it. And it's like, this is my house. You know, somebody's sitting on my couch. I'm going to go up and say hi to them and welcome them to my couch. And uh, it's it's amazing how much power just saying hello to somebody can be. But like I'm saying hi to that little girl right there who's like right up in the, yeah, I see you, peekaboo. <laughs> yeah, hi. Thank you. Um, And... I like to have fun, you know, I, uh, you know, that's what I learned from, from that late night meeting is laughter is healing. Um, all right. So when I was new, they told me meeting makers make it. They told me that some were sicker than others. And I definitely fall in that category. And for my first five years, I went to two or three meetings every day. Meanwhile, I really like, I went through a few sponsors and did some one, twos and threes and couple, couple, few, you know, fours and fives. But I definitely did not want to do that ninth step because I was a thief and I didn't want to have to give anybody any of my money. And I later found out I didn't have to. I just had to return their money to them. And most people are like, man, dude, I stole this. I did this. I'm sober. We got to, you know, like make things like right. And uh, they were like, dude, I'm I'm happy you're sober. Don't worry about paying me back. Just stay away from me. And uh, I was okay with that. And I have like a little uh, what a code for for making amends. This is what I did. I'm sorry I did it. I won't do it again. What can I do to make things better? And did I leave anything out? Because sometimes I don't know that I caused harm. And uh, that's kind of where we get the buzz around here is by doing the ninth step, actually. It's all about, you know, for me, like I know the meaning of life is for me. I, my best friend's this German guy, Mike. He's got a real popular YouTube channel. It's German in Venice. It's, is and uh you know we ponder this question what's the meaning of life is it money is it you know this romance kid whatever it is and i like well for me i just want to be happy and how i achieve happiness is by being of service and love is my higher power and love and service are synonymous and um all right sorry i keep going off on tangents um, let's, I'm, I'm ready to throw another joke in there. So, uh, a guy orders a shot of whiskey, a regular, like non-alcoholic orders a shot of whiskey and there's a fly in it. And he says, Hey, bartender, can I get another shot? There's a fly in this one. Heavy drinker goes into a bar. He orders a shot of whiskey and there's a fly. He just takes the fly out, takes a shot down real alcoholics like this group here and myself orders a shot of 
Jack Daniels and there's a fly in it. And well, we, we, we take that fly out and tell him spit it out. I, I love all that. Everybody's got their dogs. Sookie's down at the bottom sleeping, but it, before the meeting, I was, I was drawing her in with the uh, salami. Um, so, you know, if you don't hear anything other than this tonight is go to a lot of meetings. You might not relate to me. Like I'm like rambling devil guy, you know, who tells stupid dad jokes. Um, you might want to hear somebody who can quote the book and speaks eloquently, who's gone to college and has like a canned pitch that's very effective. And, and maybe you relate to somebody who's just like trying to keep it real and not sell you anything. I just found if I do this, oh, I almost said the S word. I saved myself. If I do this shoot that I uh, am going to stay sober and, and, and you know what? I got to tell you this, speaking at a meeting, it's kind of like taking a shower for me. I don't want to speak at the meeting. I want to hang out and talk to the girls at the meeting after the meeting. I had to like rush over here right after or maybe go do some fellowship or at least stop at the market and get get some something nice to eat. But uh, and it's just like the showers. I, I, I never want to take the shower. But when I get in that shower, it feels so goddamn good. I love it, man. I have this this rainfall water whatever and it's got a, a speaker in the middle of it like i get to hear music coming right out of my faucet and it feels good and i love it and i don't want to get out and it's kind of like speaking the meeting yeah i mean i get to talk about my favorite subject myself i have a captive audience but whether i say something that helps anybody or not i know it's going to help me and i know i'm going to feel better that I'm being of service. And, uh, you know, maybe somebody's going to want what I have. I, I I feel like I'm, I love my life, you know, and hopefully it shows that I'm somebody that loves his life and is grateful for Alcoholics Anonymous. So I sponsored a guy in New York and I heard a guy out there say seven days, no meetings makes one week. And I like that one. I keep saying it. And um, yeah, I've I've been consistent my whole 31 years going to meetings. And, uh, you know, another thing I do is, and I talked about it a bit, is service. Um, having commitments at meetings. Being of service to people outside the meetings. I, I get a sponsor, a lot of people. God loves me a lot and allows me a lot of opportunity to be of service. And I'm so grateful for that because that's why I feel so good today. And, um, you know, I sponsor a few gals. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like somebody's drowning. And they, they, I'm on the boat and they're down there drowning. And they're like, hey, can you throw me a life preserver? I'm like, sorry, I don't throw life preservers to girls. I'm a guy only life preserver throw. Somebody's dying. I'm going to help them the best I can. And I'm going to let them know straight out in front. It's more important for me to help to save your life than get laid. So nothing's going to happen between us. So my 
motives are altruistic, not self-centered. Well, it is self-centered because I know if I help somebody, it really helps me. So service is a huge, huge thing for me. Doing something for somebody, not expecting anything back, not having to brag about it, just kind of spike Lee it out and do the right thing is what I try to do. I know the difference between right and wrong. And for the most part, I do the right thing. You know, I um I could tell you about the service I do, but I kind of feel like if I brag about it or talk about it, I take away some of the karmatic value of it. But um, I'm a pretty good guy. And uh, what else can I say about services? Um, if you're not feeling good, try doing something for somebody else. You'll be amazed how that works. And, uh, you know, through that pandemic, I came out a little funky. I'm waiting for you to adjust your camera, Armando. <laughs> Sorry, Armando. I think that's what it says. Because you're the guy that I'm talking to. You probably have the least amount of time here. And I, I want to sell you AA. <laughs> and, and Dana was talking about uh, getting a new truck or something. Man, I, I just... I Anytime I get sad, I say, oh, you know, I have no job. I have no girlfriend. Loser. Well, you know what? I have a Corvette. And I have the C7 Corvette. It's red. It says Devil Man on it and license plate. And then I have a, a camper van that says Devil Van on it. I used to have on my uh whatever screensaver thing a picture of it, but I don't anymore. It went went away. But um I I'll put an order in for the new C8. <laughs> Welled up because I'm so excited about it, and I kind of fell down the rabbit hole. But uh, it, my order just went into Bowling Greens, Kentucky, and they're building a a, a Corvette, a mid first mid engine Corvette. It's got a, a a retractable solid top convertible. And of course it's red, but it's like this sparkly red. Sorry, I'm just talking about what I want to talk about because I, I I love it. Um, sorry. Um, let's get back to sobriety. I got when when you talked about like I'm talking about my car. Um, you know, I I I took what I learned in AA and I brought it out into the world. You guys taught me to to get the get to the meetings early. So I got to work early. They told me to to see how I can be of service. What can I do to help out? I brought that. They told me just to be a worker amongst workers. I'm no better than anybody else. I'm no worse than anybody else. And all these tools that I learned here, I brought out to the world and, and I had a successful career. I have a rent control apartment because I gave a new guy a ride to to a, a a new guy a ride to a new ooh that's a tongue twister new guy to a noon meeting thank you it came out um and and told him I was going apartment and he said I moved out of my apartment to the one above my landlord asked me if I knew anybody you'd be great I've lived here almost thirty years now 
I pay $673 for rent, right, right in the middle of West Hollywood, Santa Monica and Crescent Heights. It's a great area, and I have a one-bedroom with parking and free hot water. Now I'm just bragging. And uh, sorry, I don't want to be a bragger. It's kind of like, I love it when people share about how humble they are. I was like, dude, you can't say you're humble and be humble. That's like being bragging. You're bragging about being humble. So anyhow, I have a huge ego. I mean, look at me. Uh, love my life. All right. So I'm going to meetings. I'm uh what else am I doing? I'm being of service. And you're gonna hear every speaker. You hear, hopefully, in AA, talk about AA being a 12-step program. You want to stay sober. My experience is, is doing the 12 steps is what we do. Also, I've heard people say, if you don't do the steps, you're going to die, and da-da-da. But I think our literature might say something contrary to that, that we do not have a monopoly on sobriety, that people get sober at church or they take a solemn oath or or many other ways so i i can't tell you hey you're gonna do this or you're gonna get loaded but my experience in 31 years that most people that do the 12 steps are the ones that stay and most people that don't are the ones that get loaded and there's only 12 of them it's not the 152 steps of alcoholics anonymous <laughs> So I, I just, from my experience, I suggest you do the 12 steps. Uh, how am I doing on time? Oh, you're timing me? I got five. I got 10. Do I hear 15? Five, five. minutes. <laughs> All right. I take five and like it. Um, Yeah, I guess this is going to get weirder or if it already hasn't been. All right, three strings walk into a bar. First piece of string goes up to the bartender and says, I like three beers. Bartender says, sorry, don't serve string here. Second piece of string goes up to the bar, tells the bartender, I like three three beers. Bartender says, hey, I told that other piece of string, we don't serve string here. Third piece of string loosens up one of his ends, ties himself into a knot, and he goes up to the bartender and says, I like three beers. Bartender looks at him and says, hey, aren't you one of those pieces of strings? He said, no, I'm afraid not. Okay. So I came in with the belief that I was my own God and control my own destiny. I believe in karma and cause and effect. Every action has a reaction. Things that made sense to me, like third eye stuff, reincarnation stuff, stuff that I could get around. I wasn't really into religion, even though I'm Jewish and we are the chosen people. Um but me being my own higher power and controlling my own destiny, I could not stop getting loaded no matter what. There were so many nights that I was lying in bed, sweating bullets with my heart pounding so hard. It was coming out of my chest hours and hours, not being able to shut my head off. The 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 birds chirping, the 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 gardener with that that uh, oh, that awful blower. That's the worst sound in the world. You're up all night trying to sleep um i don't i don't miss those days um i um i can't really 
define God. I can't define like the universe. I can't, I can't wrap my head around like I'm like this little dude on this little pebble. There, like they said, there's as many planets of grains of sand and all the beaches. And I'm just like this little dude on this little pebble. And this thing that I can't explain, this, this universe thing they say goes on and on in infinity. Well, if it's going on and on, where's it going on, on and on into? Some helixy thing, but what's around the... I cannot wrap my head around that. And I want to have proof. And I have proof. Once I said that I was willing to believe in a power greater than myself, I have not gotten loaded. So there, with me as my own higher power, I could not stop getting loaded. With just being willing to believe, I've been able to stop getting loaded. And I feel like if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to stay sober. And every night before I go to bed, I say, God, thank you for letting me be sober. Thank you for letting me be happy and healthy. <clears throat> Sorry. May my friends and family be as happy as me. Wait, I fucked you. <gasps> I, I owe you 50 cents in your swear jar. Thank you, God, for letting me be sober. Thank you for letting me be happy and healthy. Thank you for my friends and family being happy and healthy. May my enemies be as happy as me. May I do thy will always. And may you help me to be a nicer person tomorrow than I was today. And I've been saying this prayer for probably 28 years. And I don't think I've ever missed a uh, time saying it. I stay up real late because I'm retired. I sleep in. So every night before I go to bed, I say this prayer, which is actually the morning. And... uh you know, nothing bad's happened from saying it. And I, I, I wish that I had magic words to keep everybody sober. But what I do have is magic actions. And, you know, you guys don't live where I live, so you won't see me. But it's really what I do in Alcoholics Anonymous, not what I say. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could say fire and do be bad, but I think you guys know what I'm talking about. I hope that you heard somebody tonight who's really grateful. It's like any day above ground is a good day, you know? I'm I'm doing pretty good for a dead guy. Just like, you know, Sookie, who is going to be put down in, in two days before I came and, you know, it was like gave her her reprieves. Because we had it so bad, we appreciate how good we have it today. Some heavy shit. Sorry, it's 50, so I owe you a buck now. I don't know that the S word is really a bad word. They let me say it on YouTube, so we're, we're all in agreement. You're back down to 50 cents. Um. Yeah, I just... um. How do I end this? You know, <laughs> I want to end with a bang. I uh, I love watching the new people come in. I see them come up, come in like shriveled up weeds, and I get to see them stay here and blossom into beautiful flowers. And that's what happens. You know, you don't have to die one day at a time. It's crazy out there. That corona is nothing. The real pandemic is fentanyl, and people are dying left and right, and you don't know what you're getting and what's in it. And, uh, you know, please do this simple stuff that we do. 
go to meetings, be of service, work the 12 steps and get hooked up with God. It's that easy. Don't need to complicate it. I feel if you do what I do, you're going to stay sober too. And uh, thank you guys all for listening. And I was going to end my, uh, like I, I end my uh, videos with the chow bunga and a palm to the cam. But I'm just going to end it with the namaste. Thank you.